frustrate us and aggravate us. And not y'all, just me. Y'all are much better Christians than I am. And I understand that. (laughs) But I want to tell you that despite those things, and people are always going to be people. People are always going to be people. And, and we're just going to have to come to grips with that at some point and say, I might not understand everything about them. I might, I might not get why they do everything the way that they do it. I, I do want to remind you that you don't always know where somebody has come from. And you don't know what they walked through to get here and what their situation has been, what their past circumstances have been. And because of that... We need to be very, very careful that we don't jump the gun on some stuff. And a lot of times, we, if we're not careful, we will think that, um, that we do know everybody's situation. We, we, we really don't. People are carrying stuff a lot of times that you never would have imagined. Folks, I preach to people, and every once in a while, something is, is shared with me. And, and, and I think, I, I never would have known that. I never would have guessed that, that somebody would have come out of that. And, and that, that's their life story. It blows my mind. It would blow your mind. And so we'd better be careful that we're getting these things down and that we're not forsaking this high calling to love God and to love people. All right? And so Jesus is, is dealing with all this. This man has said back to him, this is to, to love God as you should, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said unto him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. And no man after that durst ask him any question. Everybody else thought, well, he's probably going to think, think I'm, I'm just as far away as I can be. I don't don't know if I can ask a question on that level. Jesus was impressed that this man had had an understanding of those things. I think that is a very powerful, uh, a powerful thing to recognize in the scripture. Anytime Jesus seems to be step back and say, wow. And he does that. When Jesus does that, I think you need to step back and say, what caused Jesus to have that reaction? He does that when people show great faith. Read it in the Bible. He does that in this instance when people show their understanding of the two most important commandments in the Bible. Verse 35. So they've been asking him questions. Now Jesus turns the tables on them, and he answered and said while he taught in the temple. He said, let me ask you a question. How say the scribes that Christ is the son of David? For David himself said by the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost prompted David to say, here's what he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit thou on my right hand, Till I make thine enemies thy footstool. David therefore calleth himself Lord. And whence is he then, and how then is he his son? 
He's, this is the question Jesus is asking. David says that if you could back up to verse 36 for just a moment. I, I want to see. The Lord, the Lord said to my Lord. So David said, God, the Lord said to me, sit thou on my right hand. So Jesus says, David called himself Lord. And how can he do that? How, how is it possible for him, for him to call himself Lord and at the same time be the son of God? How does this work? And he stumps them with this question. Uh, the common people, the Bible said, heard him gladly. Jesus stumped them with that question. And in their minds, they've got to start thinking now, that is a good question. How is this possible? And so I believe what Jesus is doing in that particular passage of Scripture is he is attempting to get them to recognize he is setting the foundation, as it were, for them to understand who he is. Who he is. And that's what we're on tonight is our series, Who is Jesus? And, and he is asking that question of them. Who am I? Okay? Now, the thing that I want you to see, I, I read this in Deuteronomy 6 and 4, and uh, it's in... Mark chapter 12 as well. Notice that the Lord said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. So the Lord is identified as God. Would you agree with that? That's pretty, pretty obvious. The Lord our God. I know I'm going slow right here, but I want to make sure we're, you understand what I'm saying. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, who is our God, is one Lord. That You would agree that's what is being said there. And so, uh, I, I want to take that, and I want to show you a few things. The other night, I was asked a question. I told you, if you've got any questions that come to your mind while I'm teaching this series, I want you to ask them of me. If you want to write them down, write them down. And somebody said, I've got a question. It was a good question. Isaiah 7, 14, I believe, is the passage of Scripture. It says, And a virgin shall conceive and bring forth the Son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. Y'all remember that? We talked about that last week. And thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. All right? She said, well, here's my question. If they said that you're going to call his name Emmanuel, why did they not name him Emmanuel? That's a good question, isn't it? Why isn't he named? Why did they call him Jesus? And I, I'm going to tell you, I, I, I gave her an answer, and I went and studied this to, to do a little bit more work on that. Uh, and, I, and the answer that I gave her, I feel like, is a, is a very solid answer. When The word here for name, the word here for name in the, in the Hebrew, in this original, can refer to a specific name, like a proper name, as Kenneth or Ashlyn or whoever. It can refer to that. But it also refers to, to the identity of what the person is. Everything about who, who, who is being referenced, all that they are can be encapsulated through, by whatever name is chosen here. And so... 
the writer of the Old Testament, Isaiah, when he writes this, he is saying his literal name is not Emmanuel, but Emmanuel is who he is. Now, you see this, you see this in other parts of Scripture. The Bible says, uh, for his talking about God, he is a jealous God for his name is jealous. All right? We don't, we don't say, I come to you right now in the name of jealous. We don't do that. Why? Because jealous is, is not his proper name. Jealous is an identifier of who he is. And it's not jealousy in the petty way we think of jealousy. It's jealousy as in, you're my people, and I love you with a great love that I will not let you go to anybody else. It's like my kids. You can love my kids all you want, but they're going home with me. Right? I'm jealous over them. <laughs> I heard Wayne Huntley one time, he was preaching. I thought this was so funny. He was preaching, he was talking about, he was preaching to preachers, and he was kind of getting on to preachers. And he said, you know, you need to be careful how you're talking to other people's uh, saints. You, 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 go in the, you go somewhere and you run across somebody that goes to another church, and you start trying to tell, have we told you how great our choir is? Have we told you how wonderful our programs are? And, and he was, he was kind of getting on. There's a word for that. <laughs> and he was kind of getting on to people for that. And, and he, said, he said, look, he said, you may have a bigger house with a swimming pool, but my babies ain't going home with you. <laughs> that makes me think of that. So when it says you're going to call his name Emmanuel, it, that is identifying who this is going to be. God with us. Now, the proper name that is given to him is revealed in the New Testament when the angel says, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So, I want to, I want to deal with, there's a couple things that I'm wanting to deal with tonight. One is Lord and God. If we are not careful, and if, if you would, I think the, um, the computer may be, need to be muted. I think I might hear a little buzz from the computer. Or the, the top two. There we go. Yeah, those. Whatever those, they're called. Those buttons. I want to deal with worship, and I'm going to deal with Lord and God. All right? Y'all okay tonight? Now, some people will read the New Testament, and they will try to draw a distinction between Lord and God. And they will say that Jesus is Lord, but that God, but that the Father is God. Okay, as if they're two separate, distinct entities. Jesus is Lord. The Father is God. All right. I want you to understand tonight that when when the Bible says Lord or God, it is referring to the same thing. All right? This is the way I said it to somebody the other night. The Jehovah, in the Old Testament, we use the word Jehovah a lot. The Jehovah of the Old Testament is the Jesus of the New Testament. Okay? The Jehovah of the Old is the Jesus of the New. And so, we saw it in Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. It's not talking about two different persons there 
that is very clearly talking about one. In Mark 12, Jesus reemphasizes this when, he, when they said, what's the greatest commandment? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And he's bringing this out. Now, as you go on, you're going to begin to see some things come out. And if you're not careful, you won't, you, won't, you won't spot this. But it happens time and time again. I want you to look at John chapter 20, beginning with verse number 24. Now, this is after uh, Jesus has been crucified. He's been buried in the borrowed tomb. And he has risen again from the dead. All right? John twenty twenty four. We're going to read through twenty eight. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The first time that Jesus appears to his disciples after he has been resurrected, Thomas was not with them. So he's not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, "We have seen the Lord." But he said unto them, "Except I shall see in his hands." the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. All right? This is what Thomas is telling them, verse 27. <laughs> then saith he to Thomas. Now that's what Thomas had told him. So now Jesus is there. He comes again. And he comes looking... He comes looking exactly for Thomas. Where's that guy that said that? Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger and behold my hands. Go ahead. And reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. Now look at what Thomas's response is to Jesus when, when this happens. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord... And my God. Alright, you with me? He said, you're my Lord. And you're my God. That's good, isn't it? Now. Why is that so important? Because that drives home to us. The very powerful truth. That Jesus is God. Jesus is God. He is, not, he, is, he is not just a powerful man. He is not just another prophet. Because he asked them one time, he said, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Well, some say you're Elijah and you've come back. You've come back to life. You're, you're Elijah. Come back to us. And, and some say... Uh, you're John the Baptist, Stephen. And, and uh, he, he, he said, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And, and Jesus told him, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Now, if, let's, let's just stop there for a minute and let's be honest. I could lose you right there because I just went from saying that Jesus is God and that, that Jesus is Lord and God. But I just said that, I made mention that Jesus said, my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. 
So let's deal with that for just a moment. I'm not trying to be in a rush right now. I really want you to understand this. How can Jesus say, my Father, which is in heaven, has revealed this to you? I'm going to tell you how. Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. And when Jesus walked on the earth, that flesh, that flesh. Now, I wouldn't near make myself Jesus tonight, but but would you for illustration purposes, if you were to look at me and think of me as Jesus walking around. When Jesus was walking around like I'm doing right now, he was the he was the headquarters of God. Okay? He is the headquarters of God. But God, one thing you cannot do with God is limit God. And though that is his headquarters, God still fills all of time and all of space. So when Jesus says that, he is saying, that spirit that's in me. How do you know that spirit was in Jesus? I'm glad you asked me that. Because he said, he said it's, it's the spirit in me that does the works. He told us. All power in heaven and in earth is given to me. So Jesus has it all. But yet that spirit still fills time and space. And so Jesus tells Peter, you've gotten this revelation from the same spirit that is indwelt in me. That is what has given you this revelation. All right? When we receive the Holy Ghost... We receive a portion of the Spirit of God. The Bible calls it the earnest of our inheritance. That'd be like if 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 I was if if I was a very very uh, if I was a millionaire and I was I, maybe I got to be around fifty years old and I'm in good health, but I tell my kids, I, kids, I, I I I've still got who knows how many more years before I die, but I want to give you a blessing now. And I want to give you something to help you make it now. And I, I tell them, when I die, you're going to get millions. But for right now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you an earnest of your inheritance. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you $100,000 each. And, and that's not all you're going to get, but it's a taste of what you're going to get. All right? So when we're filled with the Holy Ghost, we get the earnest, we get that taste of what will come When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. All right? We are getting that taste of it right now. And how many know that receiving the Holy Ghost is the greatest thing that could happen to you this side of heaven? So, so... This is big. When Thomas tells the Lord, you are my Lord and you are my God. He is identifying Jesus as Jehovah that Moses spoke of when he said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, is one Lord. All right? So that is, that is very important to recognize. Now I want you to see something else. If you were to go a little bit farther in the Bible, you would go... The next book after John is the book of Acts. And when you get to the book of Acts, you have 
what is the establishing of the church on the day of Pentecost. That is the day when, when the Lord firmly planted his church in the earth. All right? He had told his disciples, go to Jerusalem and tarry for the promise. So they go to Jerusalem. They're in the upper room. 120, the Bible said, tearing in the upper room. And as they are there for 10 days in prayer and seeking God, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. I I can't help it when I start talking about this. I like to quote this. It's so powerful. It filled all the house where they were sitting. And suddenly there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Holy Ghost fell. All right? They're up there. They're having a great time. They're just having one of those great church services. But they did something that we all need to learn how to do. And that is to not... Not box the church in into a building. They, they said, we're not going to encapsulate this move of God in this building and say that it cannot leave these four walls. They got so excited that it spilled out into the street. And as they're in the street, Peter begins to preach. As these people have questions, the apostle Peter begins to preach to them the message on the day of Pentecost. And you get down to Acts 2 and 38. The Bible says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. All right? Now, that was his response to their question, What shall we do? That's, that's why this, to me, is the second most powerful verse in all the Bible. After hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. But let's look at verse 39. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as who? The Lord our God shall call. So when he said, even as many as the Lord our God shall call, he is referencing again Jesus who is God. All right? Jesus, who is God. And again, these are some more things we're going to get into as we go on down the way. Now, I need to move forward to something that the Lord, I felt like, kind of showed me today that I had never seen before. Now, in the Old Testament, there was a statute that said you could only worship God. All right? Let me give you some verses. I'm going to give you three verses and... and and kind of share something with you about them. Exodus 34, 14. For thou shalt worship no other God. All right? For thou shalt worship no other God. For the Lord whose name... There, that, that scripture I was referring to a while ago. For the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. All right? Notice that. Thou shalt worship no other God. Deuteronomy 6.13 Thou shalt fear. Everybody say fear. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shall swear by his name. Alright? Deuteronomy 10 and 20 Thou shalt fear. Everybody say fear. 
Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, him shalt thou serve, and to him shalt thou cleave and swear by his name. All right? Now, if you were to look at the words worship in Exodus 34, 14, and fear that's found in Deuteronomy 6, 13 and Deuteronomy 10 and 20, you're going to find that those words come from the same Hebrew root word, which is yareh. Okay, everybody say yareh. It's kind of like hooray, but just put yah in front of it. Now, now we understand that fear means to be afraid, correct? But in this particular Hebrew word, it also means to stand in awe of, to reverence, to honor, to respect, to be held in awe, to inspire reverence or godly awe. Okay? Now... I'm I'm telling you that to point out to you to the fact that the word worship and the word fear are very similar. They come from the same root in the Old Testament. Now, when Jesus went into the wilderness after he was baptized by John the Baptist, the Bible said he was led by the Spirit up into the wilderness, right? So Jesus goes into the... Are you all with me tonight? We doing all right? Jesus goes into the wilderness... And when he gets into the wilderness, he's there for 40 days, he fasts. And at the end of it, the devil comes to tempt him. All right? Each time the devil tempts him, Jesus uses scripture to to combat that which the devil is doing. All right? He He says, if you're really who you say you are, if you're really God, why don't you turn these stones into bread? And Jesus said, uh, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And, and he stops the devil. And this is, this is going to happen three times. Each time he does this, Jesus quotes a verse from Deuteronomy. If you study this, Jesus is quoting a verse from the book of Deuteronomy each time that he refutes that which the devil is trying to do. Now, if you would want, and, I, and I'm, you're going to see the similarity in, in what Jesus says and what Deuteronomy has to say, but if you would say, I don't, like, I don't like the way it's quoted by Jesus, there's a word that's different from what's in Deuteronomy, I'm going to use what Exodus 34, well, let me, just, uh, let me just share with you what Jesus says. Matthew 4, 8 through 10. Matthew 4, 8 through 10, the Bible says, Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and saith unto him, telling Jesus, Jesus, all of these things will I give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. All right? You look at any... At any uh, anybody and ask them what verse it is that Jesus is quoting right here, and they're going to probably tell you he is quoting Deuteronomy six and thirteen. Notice what Jesus said here: "Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shalt thou serve." All right. When you get to Deuteronomy six thirteen, it says, "Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve Him." All right. Now, if somebody would want to say, well, why did Jesus say worship, but that says fear? That's the verse he's referring to. But 
if you wanted to try to say, the only other verse you could try to say is Exodus 34, 14. And if you wanted to say that one, which said, Thou shalt worship no other god, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God, I would tell you that they both come from the same word. Are you all with me? Okay? So, when Jesus told Satan, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Jesus is associating the fear of the Lord with worship of the Lord. That's where I'm headed. Are y'all, are y'all tracking with me? All right. Jesus is associating the fear of the Lord with worship of the Lord. I'm going to read those verses to you again just to show you. Deuteronomy 6.13, Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shall swear by his name. Deuteronomy 10 and 20, Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, him shalt thou serve, and to him shalt thou cleave and swear by his name. Jesus said, When you fear God, you are actually worshiping God. Not fear in the sense of being afraid of him, Fear in the sense of lifting him up. Fear in the sense of giving reverence to him and inspiring all, him, allowing him to inspire all in you for all that he is. Proverbs 9 and 10. Are y'all with me still? Proverbs 9 and 10. The fear of the Lord. Everybody say the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Jesus said, when you get to the point where you begin to worship God, the fear of the Lord is the beginning. When you begin to worship him, and it's the same word. You can all go study this, uh, just like I did. It's the same word. The fear of the Lord, the worship of God, the, the reverence of God, the lifting up of Jesus. When you begin to do that, it is the beginning of wisdom. And that's why there is something so wonderful about being in a church that knows how to worship God. There is something so powerful about being in a church that knows how to worship God. Because when we begin to worship Him and we get outside of ourselves and we get outside of our circumstances and we put aside the things we've been carrying and we say, God, it's been a heavy load that I've carried today, but I came to church tonight. I'm going to lay those things down. I'm going to step away from them and I just want to begin to worship you. And He says, if you'll begin to do that, you're going to find that is the beginning of wisdom that you need in your life to get the things you need to get, to do the things that you need to do, to become the person that I'm trying to get you to become. You cannot, everybody say cannot, you cannot be who God wants you to be without worship. You cannot be who God wants you to be without worship. We must Worship God. It is so important that we understand the, 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 the magnitude of worshiping God. I know that in times past, people have looked at Pentecostal churches and they have said 
they're pretty demonstrative. They, they, they kind of go all out in their, in their worship of the Lord. And I don't know that it takes all that. I'm going to tell you that it does take that. I'm going to tell you that the Bible is instructing us and telling us that if we don't worship God, we'll never learn of God. If we do not worship God, we'll never get to the place in Him that He is trying to take us. All right? Now, another point. This, this is going to go back. That was just a little something that I felt like the Lord showed me today. But this is where I was really headed when God showed me that. The second point I want to make right now on, on worship is this. Jesus Christ allowed people to worship Him. Jesus Christ allowed people to worship Him. If He is not both Lord and God, He cannot accept worship. Yet he did. I've got several verses. Are y'all ready? I'm gonna I'm gonna give Jimmy carpal tunnel right about now. <laughs> Matthew two eleven. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child, this is speaking of the wise men, with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. They opened their treasure. Gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Matthew 8, 2 through 3. Behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst... And just hold that verse right there. Thou canst make me clean. All right? The leper came. He, he worships Jesus. He says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. If Jesus is not God... This is the perfect time to say, whoa, 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 whoa. I'll pray for you, but I can't, I, I can't make you clean. You should be, you worship God, I'll pray for you, and God's going to do this. If there was a distinction, he should have done it right there. Perfect opportunity. But let's see what it says. Jesus, what does he do? He put forth his hand. He touched him saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Matthew 9, 18 through 19. While he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter, worshipped him, worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. All right, tell him, tell him, tell him you can't, he can't be worshipping you like that. No, that's not what Jesus does. Jesus said, all right, I'll take that worship. He arose, he followed him, and so did his disciples. And by the way, when he got there, he raised the girl from the dead. Matthew 14, 32 and 33. And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. This is when Peter and Jesus got back from walking on the water. And the Bible said, when him and Peter got back into the ship, the wind ceased. And they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Somebody say, Praise the Lord. Matthew 15 and 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou Son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. 
His disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. And he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He told her that. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, it's not me to take the children's bread to cast it to dogs. She said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee even as thou wilt. Her daughter was made whole from that very hour. She also worshipped Jesus. Matthew 28 and 5, the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. Hallelujah. As he said, Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you in the Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. That came from the angels to uh, Mary Magdalene and, and the others that were with her. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Who did they worship? Jesus. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. Mark 5, verse 1. They came over into the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, when Jesus got out of the boat, immediately there met him a man out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him, and always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But, When he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and he worshipped him. And he cried with a loud voice, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. He worshipped, everybody say Jesus. Now, if you are not God, you cannot receive the worship that belongs to God. I'm going to prove it to you. I'm just trying to set everybody up a little bit. If you are not God, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot receive the worship that only belongs to God. Now, let me ask you a question. Who do miracles flow from? God. Who does healing flow from? God. Who who has the whole world in his hands right now and is keeping this whole thing spinning and all this thing uh, staying on track? It's all done by the power of God. All right? So, 
I want you to look at Acts 10 and 25. This is when uh, the Apostle Peter is going to the house of Cornelius. I'm just all excited right now. The Apostle Peter is going to the house of Cornelius. He's going there to preach because Cornelius has been praying and, and an angel of the Lord came to him and said, you need to send for the Apostle Peter to come. He's going to tell you what you need to know. While that's going on, Peter's up on the housetop. He's been praying, and the Lord gives him a vision and says, there's some men coming for you. You're going to go with them. And he goes with them. All right? When he gets there, the Bible said, and as Peter, Acts 10.25, and as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter took him up. He said, stand up. I myself also am a man. Peter, Peter is the man with the keys of the kingdom. Peter is the man that is carrying with him the gospel message that is going to save Cornelius and his household. And when he gets there, Cornelius is, is so excited, he don't understand everything about God. He's just been, re- he's just been worshiping. He's just been praising the Lord. He's been praying. He's been giving alms. He's just been doing things that he felt like were good to do. And God said, I'm going to do something for that man. And so he just does what he thinks he should do. The the Lord sent this man to me. I should worship him. But Peter said, whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on just a minute. You got this a little bit wrong. I appreciate what your intention is. But I'm I'm just a man. I'm not the one you worship. I'm... I didn't see this till just now. I myself also am a man. That's all I am is a man. I'm just a man. I'm nothing beyond a man. Just a man like you. Well, Jesus was a man. Yes, he was. But he wasn't just a man. He was the God man. I myself also am. Boy, this is good. I myself also am a man. Peter said, so you can't worship me. So Cornelius got up. Peter began to preach. And as he was preaching, the Holy Ghost fell on them. They received the Holy Ghost. Peter said, well, they got the Holy Ghost. I guess we ought to baptize them. And they baptized them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation 19. It's not just with men. Watch this. Revelation 19 and 9. And he saith unto me. This is the Apostle John. He, he, says, he says, here I am with the Lord. And and the Lord's showing me all these, not that there's an angel with him right now. He said, but God's been showing me all these things. And there's an angel that's kind of escorting John through this revelation. And he saith unto me, right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, these are the true sayings of God. Verse 10, John gets so overcome. He said that I fell at his feet to worship him. John said, this is an angel. And I got so excited about all that's going on. Going to heaven. It's blessed to be a part of the marriage supper of the Lamb. Woo, he's excited. He said, I got so overcome. I fell down to worship him. And he said, whoa. See, thou do it not. For I am thy fellow servant. And of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. If you're going to worship anybody, worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. 
the only one that is worthy of our worship is God. And if Jesus is not God, Jesus has no business accepting our worship. But I just read you about 20 scriptures where Jesus was taking the worship and saying, that's all right, you can bring it on, you can bring it on. Why? Because Jesus is God. Would you clap your hands and give God some praise right now? Debating if I'm going to give you one more little tidbit here tonight. Isn't that powerful? Let me deal with something very quickly. You keep saying, I hear you, and I, and I get some of what you're saying, but you, you keep making me, Jesus is God. Jesus is God. But why does it say, Jesus, the Son of God? Why did I see that phrase in some of those scriptures you read? What, what's the difference here? Just distinguish this for me. Is he God or is he the son of God? When the Bible says, calls Jesus the son of God, what it is saying is that the flesh that Jesus, uh, the flesh of Jesus, which is the flesh that God himself, God is a spirit. And the Bible says that no man, matter of fact, I've got the verse here. I don't know if I gave it to you or not, Jimmy, because I wasn't sure if I'd use it. 1 John 4 and 12. No man, you got to think about this. This is written after, this is written after uh, Jesus has walked the earth and already ascended back into heaven. And John wrote in 1 John 4 and 12, no man hath seen God at any time. No man has seen God at any time. But you just told me Jesus was God. That's right. Explain that to me. God is a spirit and you cannot see a spirit. Jesus himself said in the Bible, a spirit hath not flesh and bone. Okay? And there's another passage in the Bible that says, for it references and says, the invisible God. So God cannot be seen as spirit. He cannot be seen. So he said, I'm going to create a vessel for myself. And I am going to come and indwell that vessel. The unseen spirit is going to live in the seen vessel. The unseen spirit, the invisible spirit, is going to get inside of the seen vessel. And so I have a spirit. I I have... A spirit. The Bible says that. I'm, it's, it's body, soul, and spirit that we are made up. I've got a spirit. And, and, and that, when, when you look at this flesh, this flesh is not Kenneth O'Connell. It's what's inside of me that makes me Kenneth O'Connell. Right? If somebody else looked just like me, they still wouldn't be Kenneth O'Connell. Somebody saw me, told me they saw my doppelganger the other day. So... He may look like me, but he's not me. All right? And so that spirit got inside of a fleshly vessel. And the Bible said, we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What does that mean? 
that means that the Spirit got inside of the fleshly vessel so that we would have something to look at and say, there goes God. When we get to heaven, if this was not the case, when we got to heaven, we would not see God. We would not see Him. Because God is a spirit. So God said, I'm going to create a vessel for myself that I will get in. And that is going to be the, the, the identify. That is, the Bible said, the image of the invisible God. I think that's the verse I was looking for a while ago. Jesus Christ, who is the image of the invisible God. I don't know if you can pull that one up or not. If you, if you can, that'd be great. If you can't, that's all right. But I'm pretty close on wording right there. Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. And so when we look, so why does it call him son of God? The reason it calls him son of God is because the flesh is referred to as the son. The flesh, when you see son, you think flesh. All right? But you remember who it is that's inside of that flesh. It's not just any old person making that flesh get up and walk around and go to and fro and hither and thither. What's causing that flesh to get up in the morning? What's causing that flesh to pray? I'm going to tell you what's causing that flesh. It's, it's God Almighty. It is God. That's why Jesus said the verse we were talking about earlier. Who taught, there it is. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. And I, I can't chase that rabbit trail right now. The verse we were talking about earlier, I forgot it now. What was? Do you remember the verse you and I were? We both forget it, didn't we? Well, I'll be all right. I, 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 don't, I don't even know. I was, just, I was just running right now in my mind. I, it, here, here's the deal. Jesus is God who cannot be seen. Who said, I'm going to take, take the centralization of my spirit and put it inside a fleshly temple. I got it. And that's why Jesus said, it is not I that doeth the works. What did he mean? He said, it's not this flesh doing the works. But the Father in me. The spirit that lives in me, he does the works. Jesus said one time, he said, I only speak what I hear the father say. What's that mean? It means the flesh said, I'm so, I'm so in tune with the spirit inside of me that all that comes out of my mouth is what the spirit inside of me says to come out of my mouth. Jesus, who is Jesus? Jesus is God manifest in flesh he is not only a prophet he is not only a great man he is not only a tremendous thinker and and a tremendous moral teacher jesus ladies and gentlemen he is god manifest in the flesh jesus christ when we get to heaven we will not see there i and 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 if somebody believes in a in a in a uh plurality of the Godhead, they can't, there's just no way they can explain this. You will not see three different persons in heaven. You will not see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's because all of these three are one. 
All right? And that spirit, God is spirit. Holy Spirit, God, that's the same thing. That spirit dwells in the fleshly vessel that we looked at and, and said that is Jesus Christ. And that was the revealed name of God. That was not, that was not just any old name. That's the name that God said, I'm going to make sure when you, this baby you're going to have, you're going to call it Jesus because that's my name. Jesus said, I come in my Father's name, the Spirit in me. All right? Y'all with me? I hope I'm not confusing anybody. If any of this brings questions up to you, I want you to ask them. Again, we're only scratching the surface right now on some of this stuff, folks. We're going to keep digging into this, and we're going to keep getting farther and farther into it. And you're going to see unequivocally that Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ, and, it, and this is so important, because if Jesus Christ is not God, I have no business to preach to you tonight. If Jesus Christ is not God, there, I, I'm totally out of line ministering to you, because he's either God or he is a lunatic, and his claims are patently false, and they cannot be true. But we know who he is. He told us who he is. The apostles wrote about it and told us who he is. Uh, for in him, in who? In Jesus dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So important. So important. We understand that Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. And the reason that is important is because that is the cornerstone of all theology. That is the cornerstone of all theology. And everything else is built off of that. He is Lord and he is God. Hero Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord. Thomas, come here and look at me. Go ahead, put your hands through the nail prints and put your hand to my side. Thomas said, oh, my Lord and my God. Jesus, that's who you are. He's Lord and he's God. Let's stand together tonight and let's give the Lord praise. Would you do that? Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord, for your presence in this house tonight. Thank you, Jesus, that you have given to us the earnest of our inheritance. That that spirit that was so strong in you, I've got just that little portion of it that you have given to me to dwell in me. And, and you've allowed me a little taste of heaven, God. It's just a taste. But oh, when I get my inheritance and its fulfillment, what a day that will be. I glorify you and I magnify you. I am so glad to know who you are. I'm glad to know you as Lord and I'm glad to know you as God. I'm glad for the revelation that you have given to me and that you are giving to other people in this room, Lord. We are thankful for it. We magnify you. We glorify you. We lift you up. You are mighty.